Thank you for listening to WNLA's Sermon of the Week. Visit our website at wnla.church for ways to partner with us and to connect with our ministries. Here is this week's sermon. Well, you, uh, <laughs> you just received a prophetic word, uh, whether you knew it or not. Um, <laughs> Pastor John just talked about stir up the gift, which was lay, uh, given you by the laying on of hands, 2 Timothy 1.6. Um, this month, uh, we are, how are we doing on that, that uh, echo here, Tony? I'm going to switch to the handheld if you want to give me the thumbs up. Okay, I'll switch to that. As I was saying, um, <laughs> we are stepping in today to what I believe is going to be pivotal for us as a church, as individuals, and we are leaning deep into grace. I'm going to go out of order here from my notes because I need to, ta- uh, this wasn't in my notes, but what Pastor John said is, uh, is profoundly part of this. The word grace is charis, or C-H-A-R-I-S. In Texas, you'd say charis. The Greek word is charis, uh, where we get all sorts of words like charisma, charity, all of these things. The word for gift, when it says stir up the gift, when, when, when 1 Corinthians talks about the gifts, it's talking about charisma, charisma. Charisma is an instance of grace. That's the difference. Grace is charis, but when you're talking about it, there's an instance of grace, it's a gift. Charisma. And so when we talk, listen, here's the profound revelation that I believe, especially we Pentecostals have to lean into now. Like we don't operate in the gifts by force. We operate in the gifts by grace. We don't expand the gospel by, we expand the gospel by grace. Instances of grace, that's charisma. Those are the gifts of the Spirit. Every last one of them are instances of grace upon you and and for, oh, I'm not talking about this today. That's next week. But this is prophetic. I'm telling you, the gifts, we, we want to see them in operation fully. Amen? Amen? We want to see the gospel come into life in fullness, the gospel of grace. We need a fresh, oh, fresh eating and drinking of the, 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 the charis, grace. Let's get back to my order here. <laughs> I want to. I think Zeb's told you this story before. When I was gone, one of the Sundays he preached. Um, Zeb was. I, I've known Zeb since he was in middle school. I was a youth pastor for a number of years, and Zeb was one of my uh, students over in Eastern Washington. Um, and uh, one morning, uh, now I, I had taken to reading books late into the night sometimes, and when I did that, trust me, it's not a habit anymore. I go to bed on time. But back then, I would read books until sometimes 2, 3 in the morning. And to save my wife the grief of me coming and poofing the covers and making all that noise, I would just sleep in my office those nights because I'd be reading there and I'd just, I'd just sleep up there. Well, this one particular morning, um, it, it's on the second story of my house. And so I should be safe. But on this one particular morning, I'm, I'm sound asleep. I don't remember how early it was. But I am awoken to a, such a clatter at the window 
I lifted my head to see what was the matter, and there's Zeb crawling through my second-story window because my downstairs door was locked, as if, as if we were still asleep or something. Anyway, uh, he, tell, he told that story in light of community and what it is to, to live in community. Um, and, and, and I want to tell that story in light of what grace is. Because what you're thinking is, wow, you really had to work through your anger and, and all of this and, and extend grace by faith to Zeb. That's not what grace is. That's called mercy. Here's the truth of the matter is, I didn't care that he did it. Like, I loved Zeb dearly, and so the fact that he was crawling through my window made me laugh. Even though I was tired. Had it been almost anybody else, I would have been like, what are you doing? And then mercy would have had to be exercised. But, in or, but like, there was a super, supernatural grace for Zeb on my life because I loved him. This is a better picture of what grace is because we feel, we honestly believe that when we do stuff, stupid stuff, <laughs> that God is like, and he has to work through somehow to find grace for you. That's mercy. But when you do stupid stuff, his, his countenance doesn't change towards you because he loves you. That's what grace is. That's what grace is. There are certain words in, in the scripture when you, when you deep dive into them that pack some very profound meaning. Uh, when, you, when you go to the original Hebrew or Greek word, uh, these words are, are just profound. One of those words is shalom, which we translate as peace. And if you go, uh, ever go to Israel or study that, that word out, it means so much more than, hey, there's no conflict in my life right now. Shalom is this deep blessing upon your life. And we're not going to deep dive into that. That's one of the words. One of the other words is the word grace. It's the Greek word, as I said, charis. It has so much profound meaning that the thing is, we try, we get lazy all the time. It's kind of human nature to be lazy, right? This is why prejudice exists, right? I dealt with one teenage boy and he's, he really annoyed me, so all teenage boys annoy me, right? That's laziness because you haven't gotten to know all teenage boys. It's also the seed of racism. Well, I dealt with that one person, they were like this, so they're all like this. Um, I'm not talking about racism today, but, but that, racism is lazy, just so you know. Prejudice is super lazy, uh, and, and we get lazy in lots of areas of our life, and one of those is our understanding of even words like, like grace. Oh, grace, we all understand grace. Grace, I'm telling you, will you open your heart and your mind to get a deeper revelation of that today? Because it's profound. There, there's a deepness to this word, and, and we're going to spend a few weeks here going into it. Um, on the, on the, I'm going I'm to give us a kind of a shotgun sample platter today, and then we're going to go deeper as the weeks go on. Um, but when, when, when you, the English versions translate this Greek word charis, grace, they translate it into lots of different words. Grace is one of them. Favor is one of them. Thanks is one of them. Pleasure is one of them. All of those things packed into this one word. And as I said before, when you talk about instances of it, it's charisma, which means gifts. And so, yeah, we're going to spend a week talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but probably not in a way we've really deep-dived into them before. We're going to deep-dive in the, in the light of grace and their connection to grace. 
We talked about the gifts of the Spirit last week, or two weeks ago a little bit. If you haven't listened, I know the 26th we canceled service, but it's online. I would encourage you to check out the podcast or go back to the 26th and watch that because I talked about the gifts of the Spirit and how they are irrevocable. The Bible talks about that. The charisma, the charis is irrevocable, which means he can't take it back. He won't take it back. He, he just doesn't. That's, 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 that, that's uh, two weeks ago. So... Ephesians 2.8. Now, this, this is salvation we're talking about. This is core, fundamental gospel that we're talking about here. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For it is by... It is by what? It is by charis that you are saved. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Faith, excuse me. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift. It is an instance. It's a charisma from God. You see, you see the, oh, this is too good. <laughs> I love how the New Living tra- Translation translates that verse. It says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Nobody can boast that you're saved. You can't take credit. You didn't earn it. There was nothing you did. You didn't straighten your life out so well as to be saved. You didn't sin less so well as to be saved. You just believed. And charisma was your gift. Charis, the grace of God. You crawled through the window and he smiled. I I know that's hard. Because when we fall short of the glory of God, all we feel is condemnation. And and, and he's, he's inviting you to this smiling. Come back. Come on. I love you. That's the grace of God. This is the grace of God. It is a gift. It's also where we get our English word charisma, right? Or charismatic, right? Oh, those people, that person is so charismatic. And, 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 and that's a great word. We'll talk about that too. I'm going to unwrap that. Unmerited favor is, is the basic definition that we constantly talk about. Grace, unmerited favor, grace, kindness, life, Goodwill, all of these things are wrapped into charis. Unmerited favor. I want to focus on this. This is, this is probably the Sunday school definition, and it's a good one. I'm not, I'm not uh, downplaying it. Unmerited favor. Undeserved. Look at me. This is an important thing. If you want to understand grace, grace, everybody look at me. Look at me online. Grace is always undeserved. Grace, by definition, is undeserved. If you deserve it in any way, it ceases to be grace. If there is anything you can do to earn it, it is no longer charis. It is a wage. By definition, in order to be an eligible recipient of charis, you have to be undeserving. If you do not deserve it, then you act, that's what actually makes you deserve it. Let's say that again. If you don't deserve it, that's what actually makes you eligible for grace. Let me rephrase this. If you don't get your life straight and then get, get grace. You don't fix your life and then get grace. You get grace by faith. And he starts to straighten your paths out. 
the fact that 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 kind of a grace is against our human nature should make you actually more blessed. Because we aren't very good at handing out things to people who don't deserve it. And that's okay. We're, we're humans. We're, we're going from glory to glory. But he's very good at it. We sometimes like to give grace. Because it makes us feel good. And this is another word. That we are good at giving, but not receiving. And that's, we know charis, where we get charity. comes from the word grace as well. We like to give charity. But most people I've talked to have a very hard time letting it settle that they're receiving charity. I like, I like to be the one on the giving end. Oh, I brought groceries to that person in need. It kind of made me feel nice. But when the groceries are given to me, mm, I mean, I can say that at first, first hand. I've told this story before. The day we got home to our house and there was a pile of groceries on the floor, I wanted to curse. I was so angry. It, receiving grace goes against, receiving charity almost goes against most of our human nature. And, and that's Okay. But here, here's the problem, and here's the revelation we need to grab a hold of a little more deeply, okay? Let's take this to the next level. We call them foxhole conversions, right? Fox, it's almost like you're begging for charity. We call them foxhole because it's, the idea is you're in the foxhole at war. And all of a sudden, you, need to get, you decide you get right with God, right? Because the bullets are flying over your head, and you start to say things like this. Oh, Lord, help me. Oh, God, if, if you save me from this situation, I will, I will devote my entire life to serving the poor, the needy, the widows, the orphans. I will give my life to everyone in Africa. I'll do whatever it is. Just get me out of here. I believe. Help me called the foxhole conversion. Now, I'm, I realize some of us have come to Jesus that way. But here's the problem with that. You're not technically receiving grace. You're receiving a loan. You are, you, and that's the problem. When I, when I receive charity, and the first thing I want to do is start, pay, okay, you did that for me. That's awesome. Thank you. I will pay you back. It's no longer charity. It's, it's no longer grace. It's alone. And we know that anyone who is in debt is slave to the lender. And so here's the problem with, with this understanding of grace, that I receive the forgiveness of my sins, and I do it, oh you, oh, you got me out of this. And here's the lifestyle that then happens. I made it out of the war. I made it out of the foxhole, and I start to live my life, and oh, I'm going to make good on my promise. I'm going to make my payments back. Well, guess what? Six months later, oh, I forgot to make that payment. Boom, condemnation. Oh, 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 I feel terrible. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, master, I'm your slave. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you see the profound problem with this? Yes, we are slaves to Christ. Not in the way that you're thinking, though. Because when that, there is no condemnation, the scripture says, for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. 
And the gift of God is free. That's, the forgiveness is free. So then when I enter into a, a, a Christian lifestyle of now I'm going to start paying it back, all I'm doing is entering into a yoke of slavery. He never forces you to do anything. Oh! You're not slaves, you're sons. And yeah, we, we want to help the poor and the needy and all of this, but that's not the motivation. If your motivation is because you, you've, you've become indebted and obligated, you're going to create other slaves instead of other sons by your, by your evangelism. Oh, I'm going to pay you back. And here's the problem. Oh, I, I, I didn't, oh, I missed this payment. I'll, I'll triple my payment tomorrow. I'll serve twice tomorrow. I'm going to say something that most pastors wouldn't say. If you see somebody and, and you, 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 want to go t- you want to go witness them to, witness, witness Jesus to them and see them saved, right? That's a good thing. But I want to tell you this. If your motivation is out of obligation, out of fear, as if you're trying to pay something back, just don't do it. I report what isn't all salvation. Listen, don't do it because you're going to create a slave, not a son. The best evangelist, like John Steele, honestly, he, he, he joyfully talks to people about Jesus. And when he doesn't, he doesn't feel guilty about it. Like, it's not, it's not I, I'm not trying to buff up his ego, but honestly, I see, when I hear him talk, when I see him, like, that's who he is. He's an evangelist, not because he's obligated, but because, wow, this is, it bubbles in from him. He knows the grace by which he was saved. And so in that, he walks and he extends that to others. This is, the, this is the evangelism that the world needs. People who aren't paying back anything. Because as I said, if you pay something back, it's no longer a gift. I'm, I'm going to take this a step further. If you operate in the gifts of the Spirit out of obligation, out of guilt, out of condemnation, you're not operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Because you're not operating in charis or charisma. It must flow from the Holy Spirit, and it's a gift. Grace is a, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, and now I'm back to the standard. Here's the problem. There's an accuser, and his name is the devil. Here's, here's how it looks. I'm down here. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay? I'm down here. I've fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus is up there, and he invites me to be forgiven of my sins. Now, my sins are many, and maybe some of our steps are bigger and longer than other ones, right? But you could call this step uh, whatever addiction or gambling or whatever it is. The Lord does this. Son, I'll be the Lord for a minute. I have a gift for you. Would you be forgiven of your sins in Jesus? And you say yes. And he brings you up and seats you in heavenly places. He forgives all the steps. All the 12 steps, they're already all forgiven. And here's what the enemy does. He comes down here and he tries to get your attention and he points at the steps again. Remember this. Hey, hey, remember. How many of you have repented of the same thing that you did 10 years ago more than once? Okay. I, we all do it because we're all, we're all in process. But you didn't need to repent that second time. He, he totally forgave it. I'm, I'm telling you, the enemy's like, remember this. Oh, you had that gambling problem. You, oh, how do you sit next to God right now? You better repent again. Oh, don't you feel bad? Don't you feel guilty? The accuser is, 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 is not the voice of the, of the Lord. His voice has brought you to salvation. 
Now, I'll tell you, this is a funny, silly story that you can judge me about later. When I was, I don't even remember, I was, uh, I was a grade schooler, but, uh, and I'll throw my brother under the bus because he was with me and he did it and he dared me and it was all his fault. <laughs> we stole baseball cards from Target in Bellingham. I know, a pack each, and we're like, yes. It was the worst baseball cards I ever had because I felt sick the entire time. <laughs> but I'll tell you, and, and listen, I repented it that long ago, right? But I, I can tell you, even to this day, when I walk into that Target, and I see the baseball cards, something in me speaks. It's like, oh, how do you call yourself a pastor? You better get right. I got right with that a long time ago. The enemy wants to get you so focused on the steps that you've, all, that you've already been forgiven of that you never seat in heavenly places and exercise the charisma, charismata that is on your life. It's on you for a reason, to extend grace and charisma to other people. We are to be the most charismatic people of all. Charisma, it draws people to God. Oh, that person's charismatic. You all should be. You all are, if you'll understand the grace on your life. Because it makes things beautiful. It draws people. It's the grace by which we are saved. And I'm going to keep hammering this in because we need it, we need it, we need it. Amen? The enemy today is probably even speaking to you. How can he speak to me in a church? Oh, he's going to try. He's going to try to get you to remember the step that you fell from. And the, the Lord's voice always says, here's the standard. You're already, perfe- you're already perfect if you just come to me. You're already restored. The gifts, the calling, as we talked about two weeks ago, they're irrevocable. Without repentance, he's not sorry. It's good news that we have, folks. <laughs> good news that we have. When people first get saved, when we get to that Ephesians 2, 8 moment, right? It's by grace that we're saved through faith, this gift of God. There, there is a temptation because it goes against our human nature to receive charity. The temptation is, is a misplaced zeal for the Lord. That we should have a zeal for the presence of the Lord, for the rest of the Lord, to enjoy his, his, but the zeal that gets misplaced is I'm going to repay him for what he did. Like I, we all know how far we've fallen. We all know the sin of our past. We, it's not hard to remember. The temptation then is, wow, I was forgiven so much. I have to spend my life repaying that debt. That's not how you get the gospel out. There's no repayment required. No, in fact, let me say, there is no, repayment ceases to be the gospel. Because he so thoroughly demolished your sin and forgave your sin. And in fact, the Bible says he, he throws it as far as the east is from the west. He throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. He doesn't even remember it. When you start talking about the step, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're up here with me. The enemy wants to keep you focused down there. But there, there's a temptation for a zeal, especially when we're first saved, to, like, to really heap condemnation on other people who aren't living. Oh, they're in this. Oh. Get your life straight. Get your life straight. Get your life straight. Did get your life straight, get your life, did that help you? Or did the loving grace of God say, I'm weird. I love you, I forgive you. Did that help you? And yeah, we got to iron things out. We got to work out our salvation. But, but we're still saved in the Lord. The flavor of God, the gospel is grace. That's the flavor of the gospel. This is what will transform the world. It's easy to slip into, 
a condemnation. But that kind of condemnation, our judging of each other, judging, oh, I can't believe this person does this and says this. That, that ceases to be the flavor of the gospel. Now, I know people get afraid of this kind of preaching because, well, we got to be pure, we got to be righteous. Yes, yes, I'm not, I'm not giving us a license to sin. I, in fact, I believe you will sin less when you understand the grace more. Because the more I try to earn it, the more I focus on that stuff. The more I've just received it and I see it, sit in the heavenly places and I get that higher perspective. I, start, I stop even thinking about the baseball cards. Because the perspective is higher, right? The viewpoint that we talked about. I'm seeing the whole city rather than the gunk and the step. Father is inviting you back to his grace. Would you just rest and relax in his grace? Yes, he's got great and mighty things for us to do, but he's not trying to guilt you and shame you into doing them. He's trying to love you so much that you just can't help but love other people and extend that grace. My mother-in-law was, uh, was in the hospital earlier this week, and, uh, and I think it was Wednesday night or something, we all got together for dinner. She got out of the hospital and everything. And, and jokingly, uh, I said to her, <laughs> I even threw Chuck your name under the bus. Um, I said, did you, did you witness to all the nurses and tell all the, all the patients around you about Jesus? Chuck would have. <laughs> and I, I, it was all in fun. It was all a joke. And then, and then my sister-in-law jumped in and we're like, yeah, did you? She's like, I couldn't even remember what was going on. And, and anyway, we all did it in fun. But the truth is, like, like, that's the flavor of guilt that's garbage. That's the flavor. Like, it, it, and and I'm, she wasn't experiencing that kind of guilt anyway. This was all our joking imposed upon her. But in that moment, of, oh, if I don't get this nurse saved, I don't know what God's going to do. Listen, he can save the nurse without you. Like, if you're not doing it out of, a, oh, I love Jesus. Oh, everyone needs to know. Like, that's, the, that's grace. Well, I see that you're wearing a Metallica shirt. Clearly, you need to get saved. Because <laughs> that's a sin. Like, like honestly, that's not going to save anybody. They're just going to turn the music up louder when you talk. What's going to save? It's by grace we're saved. Are you getting the point? It's by grace you are saved. It's by grace other people will get saved. You're not. If it is by grace you are saved, by grace you are forgiven, look at me. You're not guilty. You're not guilty. Well, that thing, you're not guilty. There's no guilt, no guilt, no guilt, no guilt, no guilt, no condemnation, none. It doesn't exist in Jesus. Here's what I do. Lord, if, if that comes up again, in fact, you, I, I mean, I attack it with my own faith, right? Well, oh, I walk by the baseball cards. I'm like, whatever. I've, Lord, I've forgiven that to you. I flush that. If it's something you haven't repented of, yeah, you should repent of it. You're like, oh, Lord, forgive me of that. But don't make a big thing of it. Lord, I give it to you. You've forgiven me that already. Flush it and move on to the greater things. So the Lord wants to take us from glory to glory, but we're stuck at the first glory because we keep repenting of the same things over and over out of guilt and shame and condemnation. I'm telling you, the world is, the world right now is under so much guilt and shame and condemnation. And they're so, they've been attacked for two years with bad news and heaviness. And, and, and I'm, here's what is going to cause revival to happen in our church and in the churches. We're going to rest in the grace and have joy in the grace. Oh, he's good. There's going to be something that happens. 
Oh. Grace is not a bargain, it's final. Okay, I, I want to I not run out of time. I've got some good scripture here that I want to get into. Early church, first revival in his church history. Church went gangbusters. I, I want to give you the reason. Acts 4.33, describing revival in the early church. And it said this, And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord, Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. With great power, they, they gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord, and great grace was upon them all. Now, I, I, want, I want to show you the intimate link between the Holy Spirit and charis, and the charisma. It's great grace. The, the King James calls it the abundant grace was on them. The Greek word there is megas grace. It's mega grace that was on the church. And because of that, the church went absolutely gangbusters. Because yes, everyone needed to repent. And why were they repenting? Because the mega grace was upon the church. And they realized it's not a matter of condemnation. It's this hope. It's this glistening, glory-filled, joy-filled hope of the, of the salvation, the complete and utter destruction of our, our sinful record. And, brought, and so who doesn't want to walk into that? And it's only happening through Jesus. That was the testimony. That's why it's called the gospel, good news of charis, grace, gospel of grace. They're intimately connected. Grace is not a sideline issue. It's central to the gospel. So here's what's happening there in the early church. We fast forward some years. Paul is on his missionary journeys, the apostle, the apostle Paul. He's going all over, uh, and, and he's in, this, in a place uh, in Antioch. And he's presenting this gospel of grace to people. The, the, the mega grace to people. And, and they're receiving it gladly here in Antioch. In fact, all over, they were receiving it gladly. But some folks back from the church in Jerusalem came. And they started to see these non-Jews, which made them uncomfortable, receiving Jesus, being baptized for goodness sake, being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, exercising in the charisma. It was just, oh, and they couldn't handle it. And they, and they were so upset at some of the things. Oh, this person's reading People magazine. And so they started, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Antioch. We need to call a church meeting right now. And they're like, they said this, you guys are out of control. You can't do these things. You, you must be circumcised. Circumcision, talk to your parents about it. It was, a, it was, it was under the law. You've got to do this. You've got to sacrifice. You've got to do all. They started reiterating all the things that were under the law. You've got to get back to this. This is what made us righteous. You realize that they, they, these folks stepped out of the great grace, out of the charisma. And now they were under the law. And they were like, you've got to get back. You've got to do these things. You've got to do it. I can't believe you aren't circumcised. And Paul was upset. They, and and like he, was, he was preaching the gospel of grace. And he was telling people, by grace you're saved through faith. And so they sent, they sent a, a group of people to Jerusalem to talk to the church, to the board, to, the, to Peter and the, and the gang. And it says this in Acts 15, 6 through 12. The apostles 
and elders met to consider this question. Should, do I have to be circumcised? Do I have to follow all these rules? After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent. Now, I imagine this was one of those, everybody's talking, and if people, some people are upset. We got it. And Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through the gospel of Charis, grace. How, dare, how can we put a yoke of slavery on people that we couldn't even bear ourselves? The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders that God had done among the Gentiles, and through them became a testimony service. And they got to go back to Antioch and say, hey, listen, you don't got to be circumcised. Try to avoid meat, sacrifice to idols, sexual immorality, just avoid those things. It's by grace you're saved. I'm not saying we go, <laughs> it's not about going and doing whatever we want. But, but if I am guilty every single day of my life, I'm never going to operate in grace. There's going to be a revelation. We're in a, we're in a pivotal moment in, I believe, church history where we're going to step back into grace as a body. And it's going to be so attractive, this mega grace upon the church, that I believe it's going to spread like wildfire through our nation and beyond, through to, to the world. I think, I believe that this is, this is the moment that we're in. I want, I'm inviting you to, to a, a yoke that is easy, a burden that is light. I'm inviting you to be a guilt-free church. I'm inviting you to be a guilt-free human, a guilt-free family. I'm not trying to manipulate my family out of guilt and shame. I show them the love of Jesus. I'm telling you, that's what draws people to Jesus. It's the grace. It's the grace. As I was writing this message, this song came on. As you know, I love to listen to worship as I'm preparing. It's called Come Out of Hiding, and I just want to read you some of the lyrics that, that spoke to me. It says, come out of hiding, you're safe here with me. There's no need to cover what I already see. The Lord sees everything. And so when we come to him and try to cover our guilt and our shame, like you just give it back to, oh, Lord, I give it to you. He sees it anyway. It says, you've been on lockdown and I hold the key. Because I loved you before you knew it was love, and I saw it all, and I still chose the cross. And you were the one that I was thinking of when I rose from the grave. Now get rid of the shackles, my victory is yours, for the veil for you to come close. Excuse me, I tore the veil for you to come close. There's no reason to stand at a distance anymore. You're not far from home. We, hide, we try to hide things by guilt and shame. And Jesus is like, I see it all. I've given you grace. Come, just be with me. Stop trying to earn things. Stop trying to pay him back. 
Like, I want, you to, I want you to step out into the gifts. I want you to step out and serve the orphans, the widows, the poor. But I don't want you to do it out of guilt and shame. It'll, it'll wear you out. <laughs> it'll destroy your life. You'll go broke. But when you, when you come out and just be with him in his rest. I told the, I told the worship team this morning, and I, I don't get it, but... But as the Psalms say that we are his, we call him to arise to your rest and to us. He rests on us. He wants you to rest in him and him on you. There's a profoundness there. Grace, charis. Remember, if you can somehow earn it back or pay it back or deserve it, it's no longer grace. And it cheapens things if you try. I want to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. I want to see evangelism go forth like wildfire. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm tired of bad news. I'm tired, like, I'm tired of the church running and reacting. Like, we got the Holy Spirit. We've got the living God in us. We've got the hope. We have salvation. We have a clean slate. Don't you believe this is what the world needs? Do they need your strong rebuke or do they need the grace of God that will draw them to repentance? It's his kindness that draws us to repentance. And if you are still struggling with guilt, condemnation and shame, I mean, these are natural, natural things. I want to invite you to have a conversation with Jesus. Not, not, I don't want it to be like this. Like, don't be like, oh, I'm so sorry. And just keep, you keep talking about how sorry you are. Say you're sorry once. Repent. And then bring, bring everything out of hiding to him. All the little things. and Bring it all out of hiding and say, Jesus, what do you want to do with this? Ask him and let him talk to you then. Stop wrestling for hours with guilt. Just bring it to him. Repent once and say, what do you want to do with this? And then listen and ask him. what it, He'll speak to you. He'll tell you what he wants to do with it. Grace is not a sideline issue. It is central. Stephanie, I'm going to have you come up. In fact, I'm going to have the worship team come up. Surprise! Luckily, you have grace for me. I, I want to sing where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom again. I don't think it's a mistake that that was a new song today. You don't deserve the gospel. That's okay. That's what makes you have it. That's what makes you have grace. It's mixed, you, you don't work too hard to get it. You get qualified by grace alone. I keep saying this, but I believe we're at a, a, there will be a renaissance moment here. This turning point in the church. I, I like the connotation of the renaissance moment because it's like all of this newness and growth is going to start happening. I, mean, I believe people are going to start coming to Jesus like never before. I, I, I believe it's not, it's not because we're going to scream him into it. I, we're not going to get angry. We're not going to, we're not, we're not going to cut and get, get crazy. We're going to have grace in our lives. We're going to have grace. We're going to realize and have a new revelation of grace for ourselves in Jesus. And that's going to flow into other people. And when the, the people that walk into this building, I've had it said over and over, I can't go to church, lightning would strike me. 
they're going to be like, I got to go to church, so lightning will strike me. <laughs> I think that's going to be the new, the new mantra because it's a, such a drawing grace that Jesus has. And we get to drink it in now. I'm going to conclude this, this moment with one more verse. And then we're going to spend time. And this will be your moment. You can worship. You can let the Holy Spirit speak. You have that conversation with him. What do you want to do with this shame I keep having and struggling with? And then give it to him. If you've never accepted the grace of Jesus in your life, and you tried to enter in through another door, a door of works, a door of, a door of worthiness, a door of earning, you can repent of that and enter into the grace of God. And it's rest. It's joy. It's forgiveness. And you, will, you can do that in this moment by just saying, Jesus, I repent and I give my life to you. And then don't start telling him all the wonderful things you're going to do for him. <laughs> He'll use you to do wonderful things. But this isn't a bargaining moment. It's not, a, it's not a, a negotiation where you can promise him enough good things and he'll finally forgive you. No, he'll forgive you just if you come to him. You can come to the altar if you want. You can kneel down where you are. You can stand and sing. You know what? I'm not going to read this last verse. I think we're good here. Father, your grace is sufficient for us. It's all we need. Through the blood of Jesus, through the sacrifice of the perfect one, the anointed one, we get brought up the steps into forgiveness. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you speak to hearts, draw people to you through grace and your goodness. the spirit is here let there be 
open spaces grace is waiting for you dance like the weight has been lifted grace is waiting where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom there is freedom where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom there is freedom come out of the dark just as you are into the fullness of his love for the spirit is here let there be freedom let there be Church, this is the freedom that he's talking about. This is the freedom that we get to walk into. Church, the freedom of knowing that you're loved, the freedom of walking in the Holy Spirit, the fact that you have a purpose, that you have opportunities to walk in that joy, to walk in his freedom, to walk in his love. Church, we get to receive that. that, that, that that's, what, that's, that's why Jesus came, was to give us freedom to have a relationship with him, to be free of the guilt, to be free of the shame church to be free from sin that's what that's what freedom is that's what grace is a verse that i feel like is for us to uh, to pray over each other to pray over ourselves ezekiel 36 26 and talks about how the lord is going to remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh so church if, if, if there's someone you're like oh they really need it that probably means you need it as well but go ahead and pray that verse over them if uh if you feel like Jesus, there's something here, but I don't understand it. Jesus, there's something here, but I, I know there's more. Pray that over yourself. Jesus, remove my heart of stone. Give me a heart of flesh. So, Father, thank you for each and every person here right now, Jesus. Thank you for those that are watching online. Father, thank you that we are sons and daughters, and we get to walk in the fullness of your grace, Father. We don't know what that means, but, but we get to say it, Father, the fullness of your grace. Father, I pray that you open that up. Father, I pray that you reveal that to us. 
And Father, I pray that you soften our hearts to receive your love, to receive your gifts, to receive your grace. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, have a wonderful Sunday. Give each other some hugs on your way out. Enjoy the sunshine. Happy New Year. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or if you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit our website at wnla.church.